if you follow the news closely, the Biden administration now suspended Iran envoy Robert Mali helped to fund and support and direct an Iranian intelligence operation designed to influence the U.S. and Allied governments, according to the reliable sources. Now, if you follow the show long enough, the Iran is one of the critical countries that we've been talking about, especially related to internal nuclear weapon development and also this domestic political chaos. But now this time, since Biden administration has suspended this complete project and also find out that get this, people who are involved in this project or people who are involved in this intelligent operation are actually belonging to the government on the U.S. soil. And also, some of them even involved in this what we call academic field. This is very alarming. Remember, we're looking at a country that there's no human rights. And also, we're looking at a country that the nuclear weapons and also the missiles and everything could actually potentially threaten not just the U.S., but also with the world. So what is going on today with the whole suspension for Iran envoy Robert Mollie? And also, what are the details that today are so alarming that we have to talk about it so that it could wake up the entire international community? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker. Again, you know Scott Morgan. Scott Morgan has been the president of Red Eagle Enterprises since its inception in November 2012. He uses his experiences from serving in the U.S. military to address various projects. And currently, he's based in Washington, D.C. Well, Scott, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. Good morning, Will, and thank you for having me. You know, Scott, I have to say that before having this conversation, everything I read about this report and also read about this incident, as I mentioned before, the word was not just alarming. I would say it was astonishing and surprising to know all the details. But I want to ask you the question right away. In the story that you and I will share together, it says showing a group of Iranian-American academics being recruited by the Iranian regime, meeting together in a foreign countries to receive instructions from top regime officials and pledging their personal royalty to the regime. Scott, you're the expert. Walk us through exactly what happened between the two countries and why this involved with the, uh, an Iran envoy, Robert Mali. Go ahead. That is an excellent question. We all know what the ultimate goal was. You know, most people assume that the goal was for Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. Mm. But I would have to say that if one looks at the operations and the methods that they used and how they did it, I would say the goal of the mullahs in Tehran was actually to have the sanctions lifted mm. by the United States and the other parties. Now, actually, having the way they've gone about this, you know, it, it's classic and classic intelligence gathering. It's the, having putting people, actually agents of influence in key positions, having them uh, try to promote the Iranian government in a positive light. It's 
you know, in some ways it has been challenging, but in other ways, this does explain the focus. And I, and I should, I should not say focus. I, I should say it should show, it may show the explanation of why the Biden administration, and to some extent, the, the Obama administration took several positions regarding the relations with Iran that actually did not make the, make sense to those of us in the West. Hmm. But it's actually, you know, if confirmed, it's a well flat out strategy. Mm. Well played out, well crafted. Mm. Well, Scott, but again, you know, you use the word strategy, but one thing, again, for most of us that we aren't familiar with Robert Molly, but again, according to the research, the Molly is also the former head of the International Crisis Group which directly paid and credentialed several key members of the regime's influence operations. Now, help us with better understanding what went wrong exactly, and is this what we called an internal intelligent operation loophole? So in other words, how come that initially no one could actually spot this loophole, or what we call this mistake, until that recently the Biden administration suspended the entire project or suspend this envoy. What happened exactly? You know, you know, there are a lot of people that were caught off guard when word came out when Mr. Malley had his security clearance revoked by the State Department. You know, that was months before this report actually came out mm. and people were actually wondering why the clearance was at, why the clearance was revoked. You know, even, even Congress was even inquiring about what, what transpired to lead to this taking place. But going, there's a couple other things um, going back to an intelligence operation. Regarding the Middle East, it's not the first time an NGO has been accused of supporting one country. Because, as you know, at one point, Human Rights Watch was actually criticized for actually having their projects where which investigated the situation between the Israelis and the Palestinians were actually funded by a Gulf state. Mm. You know, that was I believe 15, 20 years ago. And that did not generate as much controversy as this has. Mm. But actually going on to these people, there's one person in particular, you know, Ariane Tapatari, she is a senior official within the U.S. Department of Defense. She's actually a chief of staff to one of the undersecretaries. You know, recently, over 30 Republican members of, these, of the U.S. Senate sent a letter to Secretary of State Austin inquiring about how, the, how she got her security clearance. Mm. At this time, you know, the, the, the Pentagon sees no impetus to actually revoke her security clearance. When we talk about putting people in the right places to make to influence policy, 
this position is exactly what we're talking about. Mm. But also, if you notice, the International Crisis Group itself, you know, some of their criticisms about about this reporting, um, you know, basically, it just seems it's been seen by some people as a deflection. Like most people are saying, "Ah, you're just trying to use the saying this because you actually got caught doing something again." But going back to Mr. Malley, it's ironic to know that although he's no longer technically employed by the State Department, he's actually back in academia right now teaching. Hmm. Well, but Scott, let's let's continue to follow what you just shared with us. Again, for for most of us that we don't work for the federal government and we have no information about the complication or we even call it the simplicity to get cleared before you can actually start your job in the federal government. But again, for someone like Robert Molly or even uh, other people you mentioned previously, I guess the question is how thorough or how trustworthy is the system today when we appoint someone specifically to the state government or even to this higher official or higher uh, um, positions. Because I can imagine that if you, say, have a very complicated background, you know, related to uh, the uh, previous history jobs or anything, it's rather challenging and difficult to get clarified. But right now, what is the process to be able to Put the person on staff for this critical and essential position. Your thoughts, Scott? Well, one of the reasons why it seems why why it seems Mr. Malley got went back into the government without any major challenges is because he also served in a similar position under the Obama administration. Mm. So that probably cleared a lot of the hurdles. And, and the, the background checks may have been more perfunctory mm. and not taking it seriously. But as you know, anybody who goes to a federal position, you know, they actually go through a standard background check where some of the things is like to have where they look for factors that could put them in a position where they may actually do things like this, whether you know, if they have any bad habits like gambling or drinking, what have you, if they have any outstanding out, outstanding debts, things of that nature will generally raise red flags. But as you know, um, the security, the national security apparatus here in, the, here in Washington also has a reputation for protecting their own. Mm. So, so, but you know, that's just you know, that's just scraping the surface. But figuring, you know, but ascertaining what exactly happened and what specifically Mr. Manelli did to actually do this, because uh, as you know, you've actually seen there are several think tanks and NGOs here, you know, that have been rising to prominence again. And actually, you know, have been taking a pro-terror position, saying that the U.S. saying that the U.S. should offer more incentives for Iran to actually 
you know, you know, stop nuclear weapons program, improve human rights, and you know, rejoin the community of nations. But another thing that has that is telling also during this whole crisis, or should I say, brouhaha, is there the reports that the UK, France, and Germany are planning to reimpose sanctions on Iran over the nuclear program, you know? Mm. Well, some of this could be, a, you know, still a reaction over the the horrific death of Masha, which occurred more than a year ago, and they thought that they gave the, <clears throat> the regime enough time to make amends to rectify the situation, but it appears that the regime has, still has not, and has actually launched a a new wave of crackdowns on the one-year anniversary of her death. So mm. that's it. Mm. This is case, you know, that the Iranians actually have been able to have these agents of influence in key positions here in Washington. Mm. <clears throat> and the damage is potentially incalculable. It explains some of the poor decisions that the Biden administration has made, and to a lesser extent, what the previous Obama administration as well, because some of the same players were actually around the city then. Mm. Scott, I want to move into uh, a country of Iran. I know, again, within the story, there is a unique group. It's represented by the four letters. It's I. RGC, but the full name is called Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps. Scott, help us with better understanding. Who are these, what we call Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps? And what role do they play in a general sense, or particularly when it comes to this relationship between Iran and the U.S. today? Your thoughts. Well, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the best way to describe it is a paramilitary group. Mm. It acts along the similar lines of like of the U.S. Joint Special Operations Command. They are an external actor. You know, the key, two key places, actually three key places where the U.S. is in direct or indirect contact with the group in a military context, are Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. Mm. Their presence has been felt here in this hemisphere. They're believed to have been also been participating in training exercises in both Venezuela and Nicaragua. Um, they actually have a bone to grind with the U.S., particularly after the Trump administration assassinated their leader, Soleimani, back in 2020. Mm. And everybody, and the, and the consensus was that instead even set Iranian-U.S. relations back. Mm. I see this, Scott. Now, let's continue with our conversation. Again, going back to the story that you share with me, I want to bring up another name that may be something that you are the expert and you can help us with better understanding is what we call a spy network. Scott, I'm not American, but let me help you or maybe you can help us 
to refresh your memory that last time when we talk about a spy network, it was in the early 1960s when former U.S. President Robert Kennedy, or I'm sorry, um, John F. Kennedy, not Robert, John F. Kennedy, that tragically he was assassinated. And then the word spy network started to flow around the country to believe that, you know, uh, Oswald was a party and he was actually part of a spy network or he was supposed to uh, belong to a spy network to assassinate President Kennedy. But now fast forward 2023, we're looking at a country again, as you mentioned before, very much interested in developing nuclear weapons, very much interested in using missiles as a weapon to threaten international community. So what exactly the spy network today we're talking about? And also, is it still threatening or even we say a dangerous for the international community? Yes, uh, Yes, to the second question, an organized network of individuals with one goal in mind, whether it's espionage, sabotage, or acting as agents of influence, which is what this group actually has done here in Washington, and in some cases, Vienna as well, working with targeting the IAEA as well. So it's a small group. Do they often interact with each other? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. There's generally a control agent group. And he would report back to their superior, to his superiors in Tehran. Now, this is nothing new. This should be nothing new to most Americans or anybody else listening to this. During the Cold War, the Soviets did it all the time here in the United States. Mm. You know, United States and other and their allies also did it within the Soviet Union and probably to an extent are still doing it also in China, although North Korea would probably be a difficult challenge, although due to how closed nature of a society they are, mm. it would probably make it a different a challenge to actually recruit people. Mm. But one of the things is that is a key element is people that are that would, be, would be actually willing to do this, knowing that they're either willingly or they could do this either willingly, knowing that they are supporting the effort of the Iranian government or unwillingly or, un, or they could be convinced that they're actually doing this under for the for the goals of another country where then it would actually be it's called a false flag operation although i don't i do not see this as a false flag right now you know this is just a, it appears to be a classic influence operation which has us which has had some results because i've uh, you know, as you know uh pro-iranian elements have Attacked U.S. positions in northeastern Iraq, northeastern Iraq, northeastern Syria, and northern Iraq over 80 times this year. Mm. The Biden administration has only retaliated four times. Mm. So, although most people are actually focused on the nuclear deal, 
where you know where the Iran's trying to get the bomb and also trying to get sanctions lifted. <laughs> These incidents in the Middle East involving the U.S. military and pro-Iranian elements being attacking them and the lack of a response by the Biden administration. It makes I actually wonder why that has not been looked into as a potential activity by this group. Mm. Scott, I want to end our conversation by asking a very simple question. Again, we're looking at there's a loophole, and again, there are issues with the intelligence operation today within the U.S. government. Now, on the other hand, we have to remind ourselves that Iran is a country that we need to deal with the country strategically to prevent any threat, particularly the nuclear weapon threats, and also the missile developing or testing. You know, again, we're looking at a similar case with North Korea. But let's bring the conversation back to you is, how much do you think that people today, especially the American citizen, can rely or can continue to trust this intelligence report or the or the uh, the intelligence service within the U.S. government. So, in other words, if a country can place a mole inside the government, or if the country can replace, I mean, can place easily what we called, uh, I want to be careful, spy network in the country. How concerned should the citizens be today when we're looking at the safety of the country? Your final thoughts. That is, that's actually a good question. Um, as we know, some of the national security apparatus and within the country, whether it's the FBI or even in some cases the CIA and other and NSA, this is now appear to be based on that, not on national security issues, but political concerns. Mm. Now is actually going to be, any action they take is going to be scrutinized no matter if it benefits the country or not, or if they don't do anything, people are going to do. The concerns that the American people have right now is that the national security apparatus appears to be used politically in nature instead of national security interests. You know, FBI does it domestically, so this uh, this appears to be a failure on their part. You know, Office of DNI and to a lesser extent Homeland Security. Congress has been doing trying to hold oversight hearings about what have you. Uh, as soon as they have a new speaker and get the ZR done, we'll, hopefully we'll see, we'll see new hearings about what's what happened here to, so I can find out what happened. I don't expect the White House to actually be a willing participant in this. Mm. American people, this is a case of, of once again, is like, what are our interests? Because you, you know, because you see an elements of the of the other national security apparatus seemingly working against the best interests of the U.S. of the U.S. people right now. So this is just another case. Um, kudos should be given to the person at the State Department who noticed this red flag and revoked the security clearance of Mr. Malley. So that that person deserves a, a job well done. Mm. Well, again, Scott, as we're looking at what's happening today in the U.S. and also we're looking at this political struggle, not just within the Democratic Party and also right now, again, as you mentioned before, we're looking at this Republican Party, whether they can pull everything together 
and also we're looking at the future of the country. Of course, we say that foreign policy should never go away, and also it's crucial that we need to pay attention and continue to follow the progress. You know what we made in terms of dealing with the country of Iran, North Korea, and any other sensitive members within the community.